As we've been studying the book of Acts, we've seen that the book of Acts really could be summarized as God's plan continues unhindered. God's plan continues unhindered. How the risen Jesus expands his church despite all opposition through the Spirit's power. In today's passage, we're really going to look at how Jesus is expanding his church directly through the Spirit's power. So open your Bibles to Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. Acts 2, 1 to 13. Listen to God's holy, inspired word. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling us in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word. Father, we do pray that you would come illumine our minds, that you would awaken our hearts. We do pray that you would magnify Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would help us set aside all distractions, Lord, and you would help us hear from you what you have for us. Lord, I am especially weak today. I pray that you would strengthen me by your Holy Spirit. I pray for all those who hear that you would strengthen them to hear by your Holy Spirit. God, we are a needy people. We, we need your filling. We need to see you. And Lord, we need to hear you through your word. I pray that you would make your word fruitful in us individually and fruitful in us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when we last left the disciples, they were eagerly anticipating, they were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They were anticipating God to move. They were relying on him for everything. They were, they were prayerfully anticipating God, awaiting the promise of the Father. And now, in the narrative, in, in the story, in the account of Acts, the day of Pentecost has arrived. And something spectacular is about to happen, but they don't know it yet. I remember somewhere about four years ago or so, somebody had given us uh, one of those free one-day park hopper tickets to 
to Disney. We were stoked. We were excited. My kids had, hadn't been to some of the parks, and, and so when we went there, they didn't quite know what to expect, but we, we made the best of it. We, we went to three parks in one day. I wouldn't recommend that, um, but we showed our gratitude. It was like an endurance race, like the amazing race show, but with theme parks and no prize money. And... <laughs> and a two-year-old's diaper to change. And, uh, but I, I was anticipating the end of the day that was going to come when I knew that at the right time, if we got to Epcot, and then when it got dark, and apparently well after dark, um, they were going to light off some fireworks. And I didn't tell the kids what was going to happen. They didn't have any idea what was coming, but they were, they were eagerly waiting this, this promise. Something's going to be good. I'm going to give you a surprise. Just wait here. And so they kind of got an idea. Well, we're waiting by this dark lake. Something, hmm, maybe it's fireworks. We're not really sure. They had no idea what was coming, but they anticipated it, and it didn't disappoint. There, was, there were sights. There were sounds. There was fire. It was a great, great display of fireworks. And and as soon as they started, even though it was late at night and some of them dozed off, suddenly they were awake. People from all over Epcot, they came running to the lake when they hear the sound of the fireworks going off because they don't want to miss it. They, they want to see what's going on. I can, I can imagine the disciples, they have, they have been told by Jesus, by the Messiah, by their Savior, that something spectacular is going to happen, that they would be clothed with power from on high. What in the world does that look like? What could it be? They were anticipating it. They were looking forward to it. Although they were longing for his coming. You have to laugh at stuff like that. It's okay to laugh at stuff like that. It's okay. Oh, they were longing for his coming. They knew that something was coming. He said they would be clothed with power from on high. Jesus told them to wait till they'd receive this power when the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be his witnesses. And now at Pentecost, they're all still together. They're kind of, they're anticipating this. They're expectant and God doesn't disappoint. I, can, I cannot imagine Disciples had any idea of how spectacular the experience would be. It just says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. A little background on the day of Pentecost. What is it? Why did God choose to, to pour out his spirit uniquely on the day of Pentecost? Well, the day of Pentecost, it, it means just penti, means 50, and it's a feast that was held 50 days after Passover. Jesus was resurrected and he appeared amongst them for 40 days and now 10 days after his ascension into heaven, the disciples are gathered. And why is it significant? Well, Pentecost was one of the three major feasts in Judaism at the time. And because it was in June, it was a better time to travel. It was the most well-attended feast where all of the acolytes and proselytes, they would come into town and, and to worship at the temple and to celebrate with friends and relatives. And so the city was packed it was packed full of people. We can see that God was divinely working all things according to his plan, bringing the diaspora in to the city so they could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And then also the day of Pentecost, it was specifically set aside to acknowledge God for his goodness in the cycle of seasons and in the harvest. In part, our modern day Thanksgiving was originally modeled, modeled after that feast. And, and what a, a fitting day and a celebration of the harvest that the Lord of the harvest 
would begin his true harvest. What an amazing image and picture it is that God will bring in 3,000 souls on this one day. He will usher in a new harvest on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was also symbolic of the covenant renewal of Moses on Mount Sinai after the people of Israel came into the promised land. And so, in, in a sense, we see that this is the replacing of the law with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It's also called the day of first fruits. And how fitting is it that the Holy Spirit, He came on this day after the resurrection, confirming the new covenant in Christ, giving His promise and bringing about the first fruits of the resurrection life through His Holy Spirit. You really can't underestimate this day in the life of the disciples, in the life of the early church. The day of Pentecost can't be underestimated. It was a turning point where the people of God, they experienced the empowering of God. They experienced the empowering of God, each and every one of them. Something unprecedented before. They experienced the empowering of God by the Holy Spirit, the filling of God that enabled them to carry out the mission that Jesus had called them to. You see, you you might have become complacent with the fact that each and every one who places their faith in Jesus Christ has been given the very Holy Spirit of God. But this was not the experience of the disciples prior to Pentecost. They would not have experienced, they would not have known this filling, this empowering in this way. Last week we got to go down to Roswell, Georgia to spend time with my family and about 40 other people and we sat down together and we enjoyed a huge feast celebrating the resurrection. We were grateful to God for the chance to get together. We enjoyed food. Everybody brought it. We had a good conversation. But as we were sitting there feasting, none of us was thinking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And although the disciples were anticipating Jesus' coming, they were just finishing up breakfast most likely. They were all together. Why would they be all together? Well, they probably slept separately, so they probably came together for a meal. It was the morning time, so they had come all together. And, you know, if in the morning you just had a big meal, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, this is the time the Holy Spirit's going to come. Um, Jesus didn't say, after they clear the last dish of the Pentecost breakfast, then, you know, get ready, put your coffee down, the Holy Spirit's going to come. It was a surprise. Like, they must have been shocked. I can imagine Peter and the disciples, and I, and I believe that they drank coffee back then. This is not a theological position, but, but I think they did because coffee is a gift from God. And so um, they, they were drinking good, strong, dark coffee, and they were sitting around the disciples, and they were, they were chilling. They were just finished breakfast. They had some bacon in celebration of the fact that they were free now <laughs> to eat. Well, not really, because they didn't come till later, actually, but I wish that was the case, but not yet. Peter hadn't had the vision. So they were sitting there drinking some coffee, and then Luke writes, look down in your Bibles in verse 2. He says, and suddenly, can you imagine the surprise? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. What an astounding picture. We see really, if we're looking at this passage, the main idea of the passage that 
I believe that God would have us get and see from this passage today is that the Spirit powerfully fills God's people and enables them to carry out Christ's mission. The Spirit is the one who powerfully fills God's people and enables them to carry out Christ's mission. If you are feeling like you were not able to carry out the mission that he's called us to as a church, that he's called us to as individuals, then take heart because the Holy Spirit is available to fill you afresh, to empower you, to carry out the very mission that God has called you to. He will equip you to carry out. He will enable you to carry out his mission as he fills you with his spirit. I love the imagery here, the very fact that they were sitting, they just finished probably eating together, much like we'd celebrate a holiday with good food and thanksgiving to God. And I can't imagine the surprise on their faces as all of a sudden heaven opens up and this mighty rushing noise comes out. You know, it kind of would have caught them off guard a little bit. You know, that, that area is not known for tornadoes. That area is not known for hurricanes. They must have been astounded when they were sitting there. I remember when I was younger and a major hurricane passed over the area very close to our house and the winds, they raged as they whipped across the yard and over the house and, and the windows rattled and it sounded like everything was going to be ripped apart. I don't know if you've ever been through a hurricane or not. It, it, is, it is deafening. The sound of the wind is so loud that if you were to go outside of the house in the, in the midst of, the, of the, the hurricane passing by, you could scream at the top of your lungs and you wouldn't be able to hear yourself scream it was a mighty, rushing wind. And that's the idea here in this passage. It's, it's this mighty, rushing wind. They're just sitting there minding their own business, sipping the drajava, and, and here comes this mighty, rushing wind. The sound comes down out of heaven like the sky cracking open, a tornado sounds like it's coming into the house that they were sitting and they didn't have any time to react or do anything. It said it was sudden. I love the way that the literal translation is it's a bearing violent breath. The New American Standard, it actually, it calls it a violent rushing wind. I think that's accurate. The New Living Translation calls it a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And this violent, mighty, rushing sound, it fills the house. And all who heard the sound were silenced. And then something else remarkable happens. The Holy Spirit, He comes. He's not under the control. He's the third person of the Trinity, God Himself, and He's under no one's control. He keeps His own hours. They asked for him to come, but he came when he wanted and how he wanted. And the Holy Spirit came suddenly out of his own volition. The Holy Spirit came loudly, just like when God descended on the mountain at Mount Sinai when, when Moses was there and he met Moses. And it was so loud that the people were afraid and they said, don't come, now, don't come down, don't come near us. God is too great and too astounding for us to behold. And the first thing that we need to see is that the Spirit does come. And he powerfully fills people. 
The Spirit comes and He powerfully fills His people. And that's not a promise that was just limited for that day. It is a promise that continues for all of God's people today. Now, if you've been born again, if you've been made alive and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, He has, he has given you the deposit of the Holy Spirit. He has, he has baptized you in the Holy Spirit. But there is something else here that is being talked about. It's a, it's a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today you feel like you're lacking power in your Christian walk. You can be confident that God has, has already given you His Spirit. And yet God wants you to be powerfully filled with His Spirit as well. He doesn't come on our own time, but He does come. And He does fill His people. Look in verse 3. It says, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. The Holy Spirit came upon each and every one of them. The promise of the Father was for all of the disciples of Jesus Christ. That's good news for us. We can see that throughout the New Testament, not just in Acts, but in, in other books of the Bible as Paul and Peter and, and other disciples are, are talking about pursuing the Holy Spirit. Paul says to keep in step with the Spirit. We're actually commanded to be filled with the Spirit. How do you, how do you carry that command out? Well, it tells us we, we're filled with the Spirit by speaking to, to, together with one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs. We're filled with the Spirit of God as we meditate and dwell on and sing to and communicate the things of God to each other. And so, doing that, we are filled by His Holy Spirit. It must have been something to see when it says the divided tongues as of fire came upon each one of them. It doesn't say they had a group dream or they imagined it or that it's a vision. It said that the Holy Spirit manifested himself to them and it was like this, this burning fire and this burning fire separated out and, and, like tongues of fire and it came to rest like flaming tongues of fire on each one of them. And they appeared to them and rested on each and every one of them. Can I just say, Wow. Can you imagine that moment? What would you be thinking? There was a lot of spilled coffee cups. Oh my goodness. What looked like fire descended on each one of them and they weren't burnt. Do you remember when the other time in the, in the Old Testament we were heard about seeing fire and something wasn't burnt? It was when Moses, he was away and he was tending sheep. And he looks over and he, he does a double take and he sees that there's a bush and it's burning. There's this huge fire all around and in and through this bush and it's burning but it's not being consumed and he can't understand that. And so he goes over and he looks at the bush and it's a manifestation of the very presence of God. In the same way, this is, this is a manifestation. God now doesn't just make his presence known to people outside and in separate instances, God now puts his very presence, his burning presence within his people. So that we don't have to approach God and have a burning bush experience. We can approach God because he's put himself in us. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace because he has given us his own spirit. God's presence was there to commission and empower Moses to be God's witness before Pharaoh. And now God is sending his Holy Spirit fire to empower his disciples and fill them 
not inanimate objects, to fill his people. And it says it rested on each and every one of them. His spirit rested on them. Look at verse four, if you will. Look down your Bibles. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we know that they'd already been born again and Jesus already breathed the Spirit into them and we know that they'd already experienced new life. But now they experienced this special inaugural equipping and filling of the Holy Spirit. Later, when Luke said that the wind filled the whole room, the word for, for filled there, it had the, the meaning of, of like filling something up, like a cup is filled up to the rim. But here, when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it's a different word that he uses to say they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it carries with it the meaning of, of kind of filling up until it swells, to the point that it swells up, is about to burst. Like a wineskin, it's it filled up beyond its capacity until the place where it's swelling and it's getting ready to come out to explode, like an overfull balloon. The Holy Spirit gives them this supernatural ability to speak in other languages, in other dialects, as He gave them the words. They didn't make the words up. They didn't give themselves a gift. They didn't practice speaking other languages. They hadn't taken Phrygian or Libyan classes that week. They hadn't taken Egyptian classes or Median classes. They spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And I love how the Young's literal translation puts it. It says, they spoke as the Spirit was giving them to declare. They didn't understand what they were saying, but what they were saying was in each language of the hearers all around them. The Holy Spirit came on his own initiative and gives gifts on his own initiative. The second point we're going to look at in this passage is that the Spirit enables his people to be witnesses. Not only does the Spirit fill his people, the Spirit enables his people. The Spirit enables his people to be the witnesses that we're called to be. God's plans are not hindered by your inabilities. God's plans are not hindered by our limitations. The Holy Spirit enables his people to be his witnesses. And that's good news for us because we're cracked pots. We're frail. We're weak. At times we feel empty. We're, we're, we're aware of our weakness and our limitations. There was no way, though, for even for the disciples who had spent three years with, with the Lord of glory, there was no way for them to reach all the people they needed to on their own. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing that it's a work of God that the Holy Spirit empowers his people to do. He enables his people to be his witnesses. Jesus has said, you will be my witnesses. And what does he do? He gives them the Spirit. He says to us to be his witnesses as well. And what does he do? He gives us the Holy Spirit. And if we want to see an awakening in the hearts and minds of the people around us. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, to enable us to be his witnesses as well. I've been reading lately about the great awakening in the time of Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and hearing about how surprising the work of God was. And it came as he, he wasn't preaching any spectacular sermons. He wasn't preaching anything unusual. But the Holy Spirit came with power. And did something that, that they could never have done on their own. It's that case here. And we see that all throughout history. That God enables his people by his Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And God does things that we just cannot do. 
Look in verse 5 and 6. There's no way they're keeping this a secret. People all over the city, they heard, they heard the sound, they came running. Verse 5 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why is that important? They were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. Do you remember the Great Commission when Jesus says that they will be my, you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem and Judea into the ends of the earth? And so what did God do? In Pentecost, he brought all these Jews that were spread out throughout the world. He brought them all into Jerusalem. All at once, the same place, creates this big noise. Everybody comes running, rushing in to see what's happening. I can imagine the disciples spill out into the street. Must have been a courtyard around for somewhere to hold thousands of people. And they start speaking and declaring. How in the world could that happen otherwise? Well, it can't. And God continues to work in those ways today. You might not be aware that that person that you're talking to, God has actually brought and put in front of you. And has made a way. And who knows who that person might go and tell and be witnesses of the good news. They didn't have to go very far to reach the nations. God made a loud noise. He drew them there so they could reach the nations out their back door. Now, it's not the point of the text, but I wonder how many people from other places or states or other nations are all around us in our daily routines. You know, we live in, a, in, a, in an area where we have Bosch, it's a German company, we have people who have immigrated from, from other countries, we have Michelin, a French company that's headquartered here, we have other companies that have kind of headquartered in this area, and I wonder... How many people from every tribe and tongue and nation God has brought and put in our city that we bump into in our daily routines? How many people are around us waiting for us to to speak out the good news, to tell of the great works of God? God's divinely orchestrated and placed people around us to hear of his great deeds, just like he placed devout Jews around the first disciples from every nation under heaven. Verse 6, look down your Bibles again. Verse 6 tells us the sound of the Holy Spirit coming. The multitude came together. It says, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. It says a multitude came together. Maybe they were all hearing the rushing wind or maybe it was this loud sound as they heard like 120 people declaring the mighty deeds of God or both. But regardless, they hear this loud, unusual sound and it makes them come and investigate. And there must have been thousands come, that came running because it says later on, and we're going to look at this next week, that 3,000 were added to their number this day. Remarkably, the Holy Spirit made it so that each one of this multitude of people was hearing the followers of Jesus speak in his own language. This was not a miracle of hearing. The miracle was on those who were believing to give them the ability to speak in languages they had never spoken before. And now, I, I love thinking about this. It, you remember when the languages got confused at, at Babylon, when, when God, God intentionally confused the languages at Babylon? Well, this is kind of a foretaste and a, and a picture of the fact that, that God is now, through His Spirit, speaking to all people, regardless of language, and bringing them together into one spirit, into one people, into one nation, into one priesthood. God is, God is doing a mighty work. 
For now, in the midst of different languages, he brings people together in the Holy Spirit, speaking the mighty works of God by one spirit in many languages. And one day, he's going to do well with all of those different languages so that we can, we can all be united in him. And now there's one spirit, one faith, one baptism. And I love the foreshadowing here. It foreshadows the time in Revelation 5. I think we have it on the overhead for you. Revelation 5, 9, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And if you realize just how many people from so many different Nations under heaven were gathered there. It's truly amazing. No wonder. Look down your Bibles again in verse 7. It says, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who speak Galileans? They weren't just being rude. They were being a little rude too, but they weren't just being rude because Galilee was not really known as the, the hub of multiculturalism. It wasn't at a crossroads, major crossroads. It wasn't a center of higher learning. It wasn't a busy coastal city. It wasn't was in a place where people would gather from other countries. And another odd thing about the Galileans is they tended to speak with a heavy accent and they couldn't pronounce some of the guttural sounds in other languages. And so people were saying, well, what in the world? These, these backwater Galilean guys, they're speaking these other languages in a, in, a, in a dialect as if they were born there. And so it's surprising that they're speaking in the nations of the world with their own dialects. In the combination of the words amazed and astonished, it really it gives a clear picture that the, the, the hearers, they didn't know what to do with what they were hearing. They couldn't explain or understand what was happening on their own. And they're hearing, they're amazed, they're wondering what in the world is going on. Look down at verse 8, it says, how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? How can these people who have no way that they're going to learn all these languages overnight and speak in a perfect dialect, how could that be? This must be God. And they were searching for an explanation. And then verses 9 to 11, he just gives some examples of the many different parts of the world that people were gathered from. I'm not going to go through the whole list again, but it's amazing that everyone would hear them speaking in his own language. What Luke is showing is that the coming of the Spirit enables the gospel to spread to each and every nation. The Holy Spirit's the one who empowers the evangelism of the nations. But the specific sign or manifestation of speaking in tongues is not what's most impressive. What's most impressive is that now the Holy Spirit has come to fill his people and to enable his people to be witnesses. And then the final thing that we're going to see is that the Spirit not only fills His people and enables His people, He speaks through His people. The Spirit speaks through His people to tell of God's works. That's what He does. That's what He's given us to do. He, he wants to fill us with His Spirit. He's come to fill us with His Spirit. He's come to enable us to be His witnesses. And then He wants to speak through us to tell of God's works. Look what people say at the end of verse 11. It says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. What Luke is showing is the coming of the Holy Spirit enables the gospel to spread to all nations. 
and they're telling them the mighty works of God. It doesn't mean that we're all going to be able to speak other languages. We don't see that unique gift of tongues in that respect in speaking other languages. We don't see an example of that elsewhere. We do see in Corinthians a, a different gift of tongues. We're not going to touch on that today. That seems to continue for today, but this is something different. This is to enable the gospel to be spread to all the nations. We know that tongues was not the defining gift of the Spirit because later on in chapter 4, when the Spirit comes and the place is shaken, there's none of the same signs there. It's not the defining sign. We don't see Scripture teaching there's just one definitive gift or sign, but we do see that God comes and He fills His people with the Spirit and He gives gifts according to His measure in the way that He chooses And he gives a diversity of gifts, including the gifts of tongues that it talks about in Corinthians and other gifts, the gifts of administration and helps, and and a variety of gifts. But the thing we need to see is that he is the giver of the gifts and he gives them as he pleases. But the gifts are given so that we might be his witnesses, that we might speak of the works of God. We're never to focus on the gifts, we're to focus on speaking the works of God, to being his witnesses. And the gifts are means to do that. So what did the Holy Spirit do? He empowered them to speak. And the content of their speech was, it says, the mighty works of God. What were they doing? They were declaring the wonderful works of God's power, most likely from the Old Testament like they had heard Jesus do on the road to Emmaus. And he opened up all of the Old Testament, the prophet and the law, and he explained to them how they were all fulfilled in him. They were declaring the wonderful works of God's power. The Holy Spirit came to empower them to carry out the job that Jesus had given them. You remember just 10 days earlier, Jesus has said, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father that will clothe you from on high and you will be my witnesses. And now he's making good on this promise. And for each and every person who's placed their faith and their hope, their trust in Jesus Christ, he makes good on his promise. Not only does he he gives us the Holy Spirit initially, but he promises to fill us, to enable us to be his witnesses. Maybe you've lacked faith. Maybe you've lacked hope. Maybe you felt dry and weary. We can pray that God would fill us afresh to give us fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh passion for him. Because that's what God does The promise of the Holy Spirit was not just given to disciples in that day, he's given to us today. Because the Holy Spirit was given to enable his his followers to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, and that has not yet been completed. He continues to give that good gift to us until his purposes are completed. He enables us to to speak and to tell the mighty deeds of God. Look in, In verse 12, it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? They they were amazed. They were confused. Wouldn't you be a little confused too if you were a devout Jew and you heard all of these people speaking in so many different languages? It was loud. It was clearly supernatural. But what does this mean? They are perplexed. They needed somebody to explain the meaning of these things to them. And we see that they they needed the preaching of the word. That's why why we, we need the preaching of the word as well. We're going we're gonna to go into that more next week. Is, is going to Peter's sermon that he stands up and he, he delivers a sermon. But for now, it's important to see the Holy Spirit came in a way that was unexpected and he came to fill them so that they would be empowered. 
And it looked like being so full of the things of God. What, what were they filled with? Think about it. What were they filled with? They were so full of the things of God. They were so amazed with the thoughts of the Holy Spirit that they swelled up and their mouths erupted with praises, extolling the mighty deeds of God. That's what they were filled with. They were filled with the greatness of God. That's why I'm looking forward to our time at Renew. We're going to focus on the greatness of God. Why do we need that? We need to be filled with God's presence. We need to be filled with more of Him. What do we need when we're dry? We need, we need, we need to see God's greatness and His sufficiency. So what were they filled with? They were filled with an understanding of the mighty deeds of God. And so some were asking, what does this mean? They want to know. They want to understand. Verse 13 tells us that wasn't the case for everybody. Look in verse 13, it says some, it says, but others were mocking. They said they were filled with new wine or sweet wine. It was evident this was not a normal occurrence. They couldn't explain the noise. They couldn't explain how everybody heard the mighty deeds of God in their own native language. And so, even though God was clearly at work, they denied there could be a supernatural explanation. They tried to rationalize things. And we can do that as well at times. We can try to rationalize things. So can people around us. And they probably mocked because they didn't want to admit the truth that was plain before them. And so they were mocking and they were saying the disciples are filled with new wine, which is really a euphemism of saying that they're blitzed. They were intoxicated. They were drunk out of their gourds. But that's not the case. When the Holy Spirit's at work, we might get similar reactions today. Those who really want to know what this means and those who mock and look for rational explanations. But God will empower us to be his witnesses regardless of the response. The response is not up to us. The response is up to him. And we'll see next week that he is the one who pricked their hearts and 3,000 responded on that day. You see, it wasn't up to them to dictate their response or to keep track of numbers. It was up to them to be witnesses and to rely on the Holy Spirit to empower them, to enable them. God will empower us to be his witnesses and he will fill us with his spirit to enable us to speak on his behalf. Just like the disciples then, they could not do the work of ministry until the Holy Spirit came and filled them. For those of us who have been born again, made alive by the spirit and baptized in him, you too, we too cannot do what God has called us to do without the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean we're inactive. The disciples weren't inactive. But they did anticipate the promise of the Father coming. Do you anticipate the promise of the Father? Do you long for, do you look for filling from the Holy Spirit? From this point on in Acts, we see that they relied continually on the Holy Spirit each and every step of the way. Pentecost, it was the inaugural experience of this repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit after the disciples had been made alive in Christ. It wasn't the last experience. It was the one of many subsequent fillings. And they relied on the Holy Spirit. They trusted in the enabling and empowering of the Holy Spirit for their daily lives and for their ministry. And so should we. 
We can see in Acts 4.8, it says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to the people and elders after the crippled man was healed through him. Acts 4.31, the place where they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And then we see Ananias, he's praying for Saul, and he prayed he regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later on, even after Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit then, in Acts 13.9, Saul, now called Paul, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Elimus the magician was made blind Paul is filled with spirit and he pronounced blindness on him. And a dark mist surrounded him. And that was a witness to the proconsul who was looking on. You see, these fillings were so that his people would be his witnesses. And in Acts 13.52, we won't go through all the examples, the disciples were persecuted in the name of Christ. And they went on to Iconium. And it says they were filled with the joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. The early church relied on the Holy Spirit. They needed the fresh feelings of the Holy Spirit to empower them, to enable them to be his witnesses. Jesus, he anticipated the coming of the Holy Spirit to instruct and enable his disciples. Look in Luke 12, verse 11 and 12. Luke 12 says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. Here's why. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Don't let your fears, your anxieties, when you, when you think about going to talk to somebody else, don't let those hinder you. you what you need is, is not to remember a perfect script. What you need is to rely on and depend upon the Holy Spirit and to trust in Him that He will fill you and He'll give you the words to speak. They relied on the Holy Spirit for enabling and empowering them to awaken people to the mighty works of God. Maybe this morning you are here and you've become disillusioned or disenchanted with Christianity, with the Christian life, maybe you're going through the motions. Maybe you find yourself just faking it through life. If so, you're not alone. That would not be an unusual thing, but don't stay there. It's dangerous. What can you do? You can repent of unbelief. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me after I've grown dull and hard of hearing. Forgive me, God, my, I've hardened my heart towards you. I've filled myself with other things instead of seeking to be filled with your Holy Spirit. i filled myself with other pursuits and i filled up my time with other things instead of filling myself with the pursuit of you. Repent and look to the Father to fill you and he'll give you his Holy Spirit once again. Maybe you have fears and God's calling you this morning to cast off your fears. Cast off your cynicism, your skepticism. Don't doubt that God desires to fill you with the Spirit. He can and He will fill you with His Holy Spirit because that's what He does. The Holy Spirit comes to fill His people and enable His people to do what He's called His people to do. The question for you and for me is, do you, do I, are we relying on the Holy Spirit to awaken us? Maybe you've grown dull or cynical or doubtful. I, I pray that that would cause us to tremble as a church. We don't want to be a church and a people that has become dull, that's joyless and lifeless. 
We've been given the very power of God. We've been given the greatest gift we could ever have. We've been given forgiveness. We've been made one with God. If you've grown dull, please tremble. Cry out to God and rely on Him to awaken our hearts and rely on Him to awaken those who are dead around us. We need another great awakening in our city, don't we? In our town, in our church. We need a great awakening. And that comes as His people are anticipating Him, as they're longing for Him, as they're waiting for Him, as they're longing for the promise of the Father, and they're crying out, and they're praying, and they're saying, come Holy Spirit. The question is, are we eagerly anticipating receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit? Are we looking to Him to come and powerfully fill us with the Spirit? Are you, are you trusting in Him to enable you to be His witnesses? Are you longing for His Spirit? If not, then begin today and ask today. Ask for prayer if you need prayer. Confess sin if you need to confess sin. Repent of those things that are keeping you from him if you need to. Come clean and let him give you joy anew as you experience his forgiveness and his good news all over again. And let that good news fill you with joy. He's been reconciled to God and he is for you and he is not against you. He has forgiven you and removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. He's given you a purpose to live for and he's given you his very presence He's not left you alone no matter how alone you feel. All who have been born again with the Spirit have the Spirit of God and He fills us with the Spirit to enable us to be His witnesses. And today as we go out, let us go out in faith. Let us go out in confidence, in boldness. I'm gonna ask the band to go ahead and come forward. Let's sing that song, Come Awaken Our Hearts, whatever that was, Matt. Don't know the name of that one. Let's go out from here believe that the word to Joshua is, is pertinent for us as his people today. To be strong and courageous in the Holy Spirit, though. Knowing the Holy Spirit, he's the one who powerfully awakens people to the mighty works of God. And let's look to him to awaken us and those around us as well. You see, the Holy Spirit continues to come and he continues to fill his people powerfully He's going to continue to enable his people to be witnesses and to speak through his people to tell of God's works and bring people to him. So let's sing these words. Stand, please, if you will, with me. Let's cry out to God to come and to awaken our hearts. In his name, amen.